We've, uh, we've been in a series called On the Move, and uh, I truly believe that God is doing, doing something not only in His church, but for His church. And uh, any time that there's a a God move, and and I'm and I'm not, I'm not saying a uh, a shout and a dance in a church, okay? I'm I'm not I'm not calling that a God move. Not that I'm disowning that as a God move. I'm just. When when I, when I'm talking about a God move today, I'm talking about God moving us from place to place. That He is strategically positioning us, um, and yeah, we get benefit out of that. But the purpose of His positioning us is for the benefit of the kingdom. And if we would ever be totally submissive to His will and His ways, I believe that we would be, we would be a bigger recipient of the goodness of God. Amen. I believe that a lot of what we don't receive in life and what we don't experience in life is because we block off these moves of God in our life because we all have plans. We all set goals. We all have ideas and thoughts of what tomorrow should be or where we should live or what we should wear or who we should marry or who we should date or if we should have three, you know, you see what I'm saying? We, we all have these things and I'm not saying that these things are bad unless we put our will and our ways above His. I'm one of those that is a fanatical believer in if I could focus on what God wants for me, He'll take care of what I want for me as long as it's beneficial. Sometimes He'll let you have what you want when it's not beneficial for you if you aren't careful. I guess ain't none of y'all been there. Uh, none, none, of y'all's been, none of y'all has been after something so hard and so long, and you fight for it tooth and nail, and then you get it, and then you go, God, why am I? And he said, look, for the past six years, you've been bending my ear. You've been calling me out of the throne room for the past six years, Talking about you want a new car, new car, new car, new car, new car. You got it now. What? You don't want to make the payments. You don't want to change your oil. You don't want to clean it. Oh, come on, church! Don't be so stiff on me right now because I'm. I don't really know where I'm going with this yet, but. But I believe that in our lives we all will experience God moves, if. If, if we will allow them to happen. 
And uh, y'all know where I stand on that. Because I, I, I hear the statement all the time that God's got it in control. God's got heaven in control. <laughs> y'all don't like to hear that kind of preaching either. Listen, I, look, can I just put a couple things on your plate this morning so that I can go ahead and squash this? God's got it in control. If God had it in control, there wouldn't have just been 16 abortions. We, we wouldn't be going through the strife that we're going through. We wouldn't be experiencing the division that we're experiencing if God had it all in control. God created earth for man. Heaven for him, earth for man, hell for Satan and his followers. That's how that, that's how that deal is going to roll out. And then he looked at man and he said, here, you have dominion. So a lot of what we, a lot of the fruit that we eat in this life is based off of what we planted for. Preacher, get out of my living room, leave me alone. Give me, give me the word that makes me feel good. Have you ever noticed that through life as you grow older, that you gain or acquire different taste? See, as, as a toddler, when, when, you're, when you're born, the only taste that you really have is a taste of milk for a little while. Maybe up to 48 months. I'm joking. If you ain't, never mind. Stop. <laughs> and as an adolescent, you're, you're, you acquire this different taste. Then it becomes, it goes from, from the, just the milk. It, it goes now into a plethora of sweets and junk food. A lot of drive-throughs and fast foods. <laughs> nothing that's good for you, nothing that's healthy. We just eat, man, it tastes good. We just go eat. We're going to live in the moment. And then as we become adults, our tastes change again. And now the, the fast food is just greasy. The French fries just... Tastes like shoestrings, unless it comes from the Holy Land, right? Chick-fil-A. I mean, that's God's chicken. I don't care who you are. If that ain't up for debate, and we're not going to discuss it. I'm just telling you, that's where it's at. But the adulthood brings on a different, a different type of diet. There's just some foods now. Charlie, that we eat, and it just don't sit right. There's just some foods that we put into our mouth now that, man, we would have killed three courses when we were 16. But don't let us get old and tell us that's what we have to eat. Now we're selective on the drive throughs It's no longer a McDonald's. Can't do that. Lord help us with the BK. 
Not just saying the food's bad. Just don't sit right. Older. Different things. And the seniors, well, <clears throat> as you get older, there's just some things. It's not that we don't have a taste for it. We just can't have it <laughs> when we get that old. Sometimes, as seniors, we go from cutting it up to drinking it up. You'll get with me in a minute. But I'm sure that none of us acquire that taste. The point I'm trying to make here, and I'm not going to be in front of you very long, but I, I'm going to give you three points that I believe that will really radically change your way of thinking, possibly, and uh, can possibly change your life if you'll allow it. But as we move into different seasons in our lives, our tastes for certain things will change, either because of our age or our bodies. We just can't handle what we used to. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's because we're trying to do some things differently in our life. Maybe we've gone from being this, now we want to build muscle. So we begin to eat differently. We begin to diet differently. We, we change a lot of our diet. Maybe we're just tired of being, well, I'm not going to put it out there, but we just want to lose some weight now. <laughs> and uh, so we have to change the way we eat. We have to change our diet. We have to acquire a taste for something different. Maybe it's due to health issues. Maybe there's things you battle in your health that causes you or requires you to acquire a different taste for a food that maybe isn't so palatable, but it's better for you. You with me? I believe this, as so it is in the physical, it is in the spiritual. When, when God begins to, to move us out of one place in our life to another place in our life that He is maturing us, He is growing us, there are things that we have to acquire and a taste for, and it can't be. How many of you know if you stay on the same program, you're going to get the same result? It's the same thing spiritually. If you stay on the same program spiritually, you're going to get the same result. In most cases, that result will actually go down spiritually if you aren't careful. Because God is looking to grow you. He's looking to take you from faith to faith and glory to glory. Well, when we have to go through those transitional moments in our life, there are things in our life that have to change. There's things that we have to do away with now. We can't take everything today with us tomorrow. Whatever the case, we must create a new appetite to fit in the season that we're experiencing or the season that we're wanting 
to experience. If you've got your Bibles, let's go to Numbers 11, 11, 5. And I, I entitled this message, Appetite for Change, because I'm hungry. And it's not from lack of food. I'm hungry because I know there's more. I know there's something different. Michelle, there's things in life that I'm wanting to experience that I know according to God's Word is there for me. But I know in order for me to get to that experience, I've got to get an appetite for something new. I can't stay in the old way and want to dabble in the new. God's either you're all in or you're all out. There's no in-between. But Numbers chapter 11, verse 5 says, We remember the fish we ate freely in Egypt, and the cucumbers, and the melons, and the leeks, and the onions, and the garlic. Boy, it sounds like a wonderful... I'm not sure. I think I can deal with the fish and the cucumbers and maybe the melons. Go to Exodus 16. Verse 13 through 15. Now you have to remember Numbers 11.5. This was the moment that they were led into the wilderness and now they're starting to grumble to Moses about not having anything to eat. And they remembered when. Now in Exodus 16, 13 through 15, this is when God began to speak to Moses and to shut the crybabies up. <laughs> Read your Bible. He said, I've heard their complainings and their murmurings. Crybabies. I've heard it. Shut up already. Here it comes. So it was that quails came up at evening and covered the camp. I wonder if that was smoke quail. <laughs> and in the morning, the dew laid all around the camp. And when the layer of dew lifted, there on the surface of the wilderness was a small round substance as fine as frost on the ground. So when the children of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. Boy, that, oh. Oh. Isn't that what you said? When you come out of one season, going into another, you said, what is this? Because we don't recognize it. It's called manna. <laughs> See, in the Hebrew, it literally means, what is it? Manna. And that's what they said. What is it? And that's what a lot of us say in our daily walk with God. What, what is this? I mean, we come off of a little bike ride, everything good, and next thing you know, the world turned upside down, and we went, what is this? <laughs> it's a new season. We have to acquire a taste. And Moses said to them, this is the bread 
which the Lord has given you to eat. Go to Joshua 5, verse 12. Then the manna ceased. Y'all seen the progression here, right? First it was the leeks and the onions, and then it went to manna and quail, and now there's another dietitian that we had to go visit, and now this is what they're going to feed us. Then the manna ceased on that day after they had eaten the produce of the land, and the children of Israel no longer had manna. But they ate the food of the land of Canaan that year. I want to talk to you about three separate appetites. I wonder how many of you are tired of being where you are. May not be that it's bad where you're at. I mean, life may be cool. I mean, you, you may have the things that you're wanting and health is good. Sunshine, I mean, it's, it's a nice riding day. Life's good. But I wonder how many of us want to move into something new. Must not have got the right people in here this morning, God. Might have missed it today. How many of you are just wanting something more? Here's the hard part. How many of you are willing to change your diet? See, we, we all, we all want new. We all want more. We all want better. But not all of us are willing to change our diet. We, we, we think that we can possibly just sit at the house and go to church. Morning, Facebook. See, they think if they don't come here, they don't get pulled out the crowd. I'll pick y'all Facebook too. We, we all want something different, but we all want to stay right where we are all at the same time. We want to eat the chocolate and we want to lose weight. Good morning, America. First, we're going to talk about the appetite that the Israelites experienced when they were in Egypt. This is the appetite that I want to call the appetite of bondage. 
See, this is, this is what we have grown accustomed to because this is what life has fed us. We continuously eat off of life's plate. The aggravation and the irritation and the bitterness and the unforgiving and the betrayal and the the hurt and the pain and the agony and the distraught and the division. and It's the appetite of bondage. See, we're, we're so used to, because we've eaten it for so long, 400 plus years, we've eaten it so long, we've, we've acquired the taste. As bad as leeks and onions and garlics are, you acquired the taste. So much so that even when somebody laid a filet on your plate, the taste of leeks and onions were still in your mouth. This is where a lot of people will live out. This is where a lot of people will live out their life here on earth. with an appetite of bondage. Because the world's against me. Nobody understands. So this is the appetite now that I've acquired. And see, I can always tell what season you're in. How many of you know that leeks and onions and garlic can probably cause your skin to secrete some smelly Stuff, probably not perfume like. <laughs> All you have to do, where you are in life, can put off an aroma. I can probably smell what part of life you in because everything comes out your mouth stinks. Come on. All the, the bitterness that's tied up on the inside, it spews from your mouth, and what a nasty green fog sets out there. It's like that old nasty, and I don't even like saying it, it's that nasty old onion belch. It just kind of rolls like a big old boulder off a cliff. It just... And that's where you're at in life and you're enjoying it because you're not willing to change your diet. So everything your actions show, you have no regard for people. The appetite of bondage. That's where a lot of us live, and it's so disheartening to know that there was such a man, Jesus, that made a way out of that. And you refuse to change your appetite. You refuse to at least try. I tried, and it was nasty. That was just nasty. 
She tried to feed guacamole. Was, that's like that onion belch. That stuff is nasty. Tastes like an old wet sock. You have to acquire that taste. See, if you're unhealthy, you have to acquire the taste. I guess I'm going to be unhealthy for a while, for a minute. That Chick-fil-A chicken sandwich. I wish they was open on Sunday. Anyway. Everything, everything that we eat in life is going to produce how we live in life. If, if I continuously eating anger and bitterness and unforgiveness... Don't tell me you love me if that's what's on your plate and you're consuming. Because you don't really mean it. It's just a couple, two or three words that we use in the English language to try and manipulate circumstance or people to... I know this ain't what you want to hear this morning. We only eat what life feeds us. Not even knowing that there's something else out there. The slaves had no idea there was something different. They've been there for 400 years. They didn't know. I sat and I pondered on this, and this is what I wrote down. If we aren't willing to develop a new appetite for change, we really don't have the right to complain about where we are or what we're experiencing. Don't, don't come to me complaining about woe is me and your life when all you're sowing into it is angerness, resentment, bitterness. Woe is me. No, that's exactly, that was the exact thing that you ordered off the menu. Because it's all about me. <coughs> and we get, we get distraught. Boy, don't... <laughs> Man, look, don't you get up in the middle of, I got stuff to do on Thursdays. <laughs> Leadership meeting on Thursdays. Man, I lost his rabbit tail mind. Saturday, women's group and men's group on a Saturday. What? On a Saturday? Yes. I work Monday through Friday. I love you. I do. That's why I do what I do. But I love him more, though. Amen. So don't get beside yourself thinking, man, pastor does all this for me, not all of it. Amen. No, I, I do most of it for him. You just get. That's right. You get the salt and the pepper. <laughs> I 
Let's talk about the appetite of freedom. See, this, this, this is where the Israelites got a taste of something different, something new. Here's, this is the dangerous spot because there's, there's a difference of freedom and deliverance. And, and this, is, this can be the dangerous spot if we aren't careful because we came to the altar and we accepted Christ into our life and we're now free. We think we've been delivered. My friend, can I tell you something? There's going to be a demon waiting on you as soon as you get up off of the altar. You don't even have to get outside the church. That demon's coming here with you and sit down right beside you. Don't look at your person beside you right now. Just leave them alone. But there are demons that come and sit down right beside you. As soon as you come up off that altar, man, you get up. I ain't going to pick you out the crowd, but I'm going to pick you out the crowd. You get up, you pray, you go, oh, man, I forgot about that back. There's that demon. There's a difference between freedom and deliverance. We, we've got to be careful because you don't want to get hung up in this appetite. See, th- th- this appetite of freedom is walking as far as what I consider. This is walking the middle road. Because you're not really where you're supposed to be going, but you're not where you used to be. And if you're not careful, because of the newness of this taste, you'll start going, and sure wish I had any of you ever went just... You, you're eating on something, and you go, man, I sure wish I'd either cut up a tomato or something or had a cucumber with this or just something different. Just I, I wish I'd have had. That's what the Israelites did. They said, manna. Man, I remember when we was eating fish and leeks and onions. I'd much rather eat manna, I think. I haven't had it. Ain't that old. But this is the danger of us walking in freedom and never stepping over into deliverance. Because see, just because you're free don't mean you deliver. They were they were out of Egypt, but they were still in bondage. Yes, they were. They were still tied to what was. And we we've got to break, we've got to break that. And the only way that you break that and you move from this area to this area is that you have to acquire a taste for something new. (laughs) Here's a danger. This is why it makes it so dangerous. How many of you know that when you, just because something's new, doesn't always mean we like it. Yes. In most cases, well, if I try to present you with something new, you go throw up walls and that ain't God. And you're going to have all kinds of stuff coming out your mouth. That's because you're still living in. You thought I was going to say freedom, didn't you? Bondage. Because we, we don't want nothing new. See, we buy them new tennis shoes. They got to be broke in. Feels like they break in your feet the whole time that they getting broken. But it's the right size and everything. Get you a pair of brand new boots and your feet swell up like your leg. And you go, what? No, I bought the right size. And that leather just going. Mm, mm. 
You have to acquire that taste. You're going to have to break it in. The taste just ain't the same. But if I can get past it, it's better for me. It puts me that much closer. Y'all ain't listening this morning. I'd have lost y'all somewhere as soon as I said something about changing your diet. Y'all, I lost you. <laughs> Charlie, a bunch of stiff-necked, brood vipers, right? Man, pray for them, Charlie. Just pray for them. <laughs> I believe more often than not, it's going to be in these two stages that we'll never make it out of. Because we, because we have somehow made ourselves believe that I've asked Jesus into my heart and it's over, it's done. There's nothing else left. I've done it. I'm saved, going to glory. Hallelujah. On the next train out, hallelujah. And the whole time, God's going, if you can just get the taste. That's why, oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. Taste and see that the Lord is good. See, if, if I can just get, if I can get you just to taste. That's what Linda told Charlie. She said, if I can get him, just get you, just, just, just taste it, Charlie. And Charlie's going, that ain't meat and potatoes. I ain't, uh-uh. Just taste it, Charlie. After a couple swollen lips and bumps and bruises, he took a bite. And now look, everything's good now, ain't it, Charlie? Don't even question it. See, we don't even, we don't even go to the table now and say, what is it? Right? We don't even ask what it is. We just, we look at it. <sighs> You'll learn to, <laughs> men. <laughs> You'll learn to eat that burnt biscuit and all. But not eggplant. They don't know what I'm talking about. I won't go there because they'll look at me like, you the pastor? I don't want to tell them how childish I can get and throw eggplant across the room with my fork and say, don't you ever put that on my plate again. That was the nastiest thing I think I ever put in my mouth. No egg grow on nothing green, number one. If you say egg, I expect to taste egg. Eggplant, that, whatever. Y'all just crazy. The unfortunate, the ones that will live out this life in these stages, it's not because there's not a different taste offered to you. It's because you refuse to taste. You, you refuse to acquire the taste. You won't change your diet. 
and you're mad at everybody else because your circumstance won't change. Your situation in life won't change. Man, something just come to my memory. Well, don't worry about it. God knows. Listen to me. Don't you listen to that garbage. If God has convicted you to move, you move. If he's convicted you to get up and run, you run. If he's convicted you to eat eggplant, Father, please don't. <laughs> the last one I want to talk about is the appetite of deliverance. Are y'all okay? I mean, I know this ain't what you want to hear on a Sunday, but I'm telling you now, this is going to help you. This will help you. If you will just taste. You know that you can be somewhere different next year at this time? If you change your diet, physically and spiritually, don't be don't be like me. (laughs) I keep doing it every man. If I'd have just if I'd have just hung with that last year when I started, I wouldn't be struggling with it now. That's what we all do, man. That's the demon. That live in all of us. If I'd have just stayed with that. This is where many of us will never go. Because of the responsibility that's required. Come on. Here's the part. If you wore flip flops. I encourage you to tuck your feet. Because I'm going to step on them. I told you, I tried to give it to you exactly the way I get it. My toes hurt, yours is going to hurt too. I want you to taste and taste the goodness. See, the past two diets that we've talked about, the past two taste-acquiring places in life that we spoke about were two that were given to us with no effort on our behalf. They were slaves and were fed daily. They became free walking in the wilderness and were fed daily. Their meal was chosen for them. Their diet was planned out and that's what they ate. Just like being a babe. (laughs) We're showing. See, he said every Sunday, every time I said back here, he used me every, every time I'm an example. You want to eat, boy, you're going to take that bottle if you want to eat. Drink it or starve. That's what they were done. That's what, that's what was happening. They, they were given everything. This is what you're going to eat today. And tomorrow. And the next day. See, if you didn't like leeks, you would acquire a taste for leeks because that's all you had. <laughs> all you had to do was just wake up. And you got fed. 
See, when you were in bondage and you didn't know it, God came by one day and just offered you a plate. And you tasted. And he went, man, this is good. And he set you free. And you walked in freedom. And walk in bondage. And walk in freedom. And walk in bondage. And walk in freedom. And walk in bondage. You're just in and out. You're in and out. And you're in. Why? Because there's no responsibility on your side. My dad said, boy, if you have to pay for that car, trust me, you'll take care of it differently. See, that's what's wrong with us now. You've been given everything. That's why you have no regard for nothing. Been given it all. Seems as though every time you turned around in your life, something good was happening. Because you come out of bondage, you went into blessing. Have you ever? Do y'all remember when you accepted Christ into your life? And how it just, there for a minute, man, it just, I mean, it was like every time you turn around, it was just, wow, 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 wow. And then God said, okay, I want you to acquire another taste. And then those, those wows went to, What? Where? And we didn't understand that God was trying to take us and move us into deliverance. But with that came a responsibility on your part. Tommy, take me back to that scripture, the last one in uh, Joshua. Look, it says, Then, then the manna ceased, on the day after they had eaten the produce of the land. See, God said, okay, here's the deal. Now you ate manna. Now I want you to try this. Well, they tried it. He went. Now you ain't got, you can't. See, this is deliverance. If you want to know what deliverance is, this is deliverance. It's when you get into it, you don't go back to nothing. Deliverance is delivered, not freedom. It's delivered. Freedom means I'm no longer bound to it. I don't have to be there. Deliverance is I don't want to be there. Amen. I'm gonna leave that, that right there. That in a nutshell was good enough for the day. Freedom is I don't have to. Deliverance is I don't want to. And that's where they were. They were here. God said, here, take a taste. Now I'm cutting it off. Now you shouldn't want to go back there. But there's a responsibility on your part now. Look. And the children of Israel no longer had manna, but they ate the food of what? Land. 
this is the appetite for deliverance. Because this is what the Bible says. Tommy, go to Galatians 6. See, it's, it's, in, it's in this land now that you eat the fruits of your labor. <laughs> Do not be deceived, God's not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that's what he'll reap. Can I ask you a question? What you eating? Pastor, why are you doing this this morning? Because I love you. He said they had to eat off of the land. See, you, now, now you just ain't going to wake up in the morning and get something to eat. Whatever you sow... You got to work. <laughs> Scriptural. Man, don't work. Don't eat. Come on, Christian. See, we don't. We don't want. We don't want. We don't want all that. We like the partial truth because the partial truth. The the partial truth is is really doused with that salt and pepper. Makes it a little more palatable. I'd rather give you the meat. I'll let you chew on it, man. Pull the flavors out the meat while you're chewing on it. See, that's why I like A1 sauce. I want the, I want the meat flavor. Uh, don't give me no A1 sauce. If you give me A1 sauce, you're automatically telling me that you're cooking. It ain't no good. <laughs> A responsibility kicks off right here. And if we're to experience something new, it's up to us to sow it. Yes, it is. See, this, this is the difference between maturity and immaturity. This is the difference between what Paul would consider the milk and the meat. Here's the difference right here. You're going to eat what you sow. So y'all got hung up on food the whole time, all the way through this thing. I, God, I knew this was going to happen. I knew it as soon as we said something about appetite. I'm speaking to you spiritually. You want to know why people are hateful to you? It's because you're hateful to them. You want to know why people talk about you? Because you're talking about somebody else. We don't, we don't like digging up that kind of truth. We, we, don't, we don't want any of this responsibility on us. We want... All of it on God. And right here, God said, that's it. See, God, God supplied for them. 
in the wilderness. For 40 years, he fed them. Took care of the clothes. What? What happened to that deal? <laughs> he took care of their clothes, their meals. He took care of all of it. And then one day he said, okay, now, now you're walking into deliverance. Now you're entering the promised land. Now you've got what it takes to be here. So now I'm going to put you here. Now I can't put you there with this because it's going to cause you to fall back to that. When we get over here, you're going to have to acquire a different taste. I'm going to talk to you, but I ain't going to talk to you directly. I ain't going to say your name, but I'm going to talk to you anyway. And you know who I'm talking to, but I ain't going to say your name who I'm talking to. You want to know why? That there's stuff that's fallen out of your life? Because you're acquiring a different taste. See, people ain't going to eat the same stuff you eat. They can't, they can't stomach it. That's good. That's good. See, you, going back to Egypt, that's fine. It, if that's, go ahead. Wander around in the wilderness if that's what, go ahead. We have to make a choice. I don't want to be there, so I'm delivered. Freedom says I don't have to be there, so I'm going to stay right where I'm at. Now, if I don't have the freedom, there ain't no deliverance. You can't walk a delivered life without Jesus. Every once in a while, Holy Spirit's got to remind you we're still talking spiritually, not food. Because some of you are thinking about them croissants and chocolate drops and Snickers and Hershey bars and ice cream and peanut butter parfaits. <laughs> i got to stop. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And I love this part. Let us not grow weary while doing good. Have you ever just gotten tired? I mean, you're just tired. But you're doing good. You're just tired. I would say, let us not grow weary while well-doing. This is without doing research. I'm wondering what the weary really means. 
Does weary mean growing tired to the point that you quit? Because I believe we all get tired. We all get tired. But I love how he comes behind this and he says, for in due season. (laughs) How many of you know you ain't going to plant corn today and pluck it tomorrow? It's, It's in due season. It's in due season. When you're due for it, that's when it's coming. It's in due season. It's, it's, it's the season when you're capable of handling what you're about to harvest. It's in that season. See, I can't, I can't, give, I can't give you an abundance right now. I've got to give you the abundance when you can. When, when, when the stockpile's low and the barns are empty, there's a due season. Now you can put all of it in there. I don't want you to be wasteful. I don't want you to have... <laughs> he knows us better than we know us because if he gives us too much we're going to be wasteful and he doesn't want us to be wasteful because see we think it's all ours oh, can, can I let me <laughs> he said I'll have men pour into your bosom press down oh that's good press down that means it's getting some in there shaking together man. that's and then he said Running over. Here's, here's, oh, this is that little heavenly, this is that heavenly manna right here that God just dropped. Because your overabundance isn't for you. You thought it was for a new car, didn't you? Hmm? I want to jump because it. Man. Do we think God gives us extra without purpose? And I've learned this over time too. You you can't outgiving. So what if if? I'm, will you track with me just a second? What if? What if I begin to get overly blessed? Okay. And I have now. And I took that have, not need. I took the have and give. Mm-hmm. I'm putting somebody else before me. Let me put scripture right behind that. Mm-hmm. Those who are last will be first. That's right. Those who are first will be. Right. Just track with me for a second. Do you not think that God won't come back and hit you again? And again, listen, listen. Jesus, thank you. I receive that. (laughs) He said, do you think I'm incapable of giving to you? 
You keep giving. He said, I'll cause man to pour into your bosom. Quit trying to, quit trying to hoard it up. See, you, you wanting that? You wanting that? And you go, man, I got to get that. And God puts an opportunity out here. And you go, mm. but if I do that, then I'm not going to have. We automatically took God out of the equation again. Oh, come on. The Bible says that he'll give seed to the sower, not to the hoarder. He said, I give seed to the sower. He says, seed don't do you no good. Seed won't do you any good unless it falls to the ground and dies. God will mess your head up. You go out there and try him one time and give all that you got. And watch to see if he don't give you more than what you had. Amen. You think he's going to come back and just replenish? No, it's 30, 60, 100 fold. Matter of fact, the guarantee is this. Here, this is the guarantee because there's, there's, there's no disqualifiers. He said, anytime and whatever that you give up to benefit the kingdom, the kingdom's sake or his name's sake, he returns to you a hundredfold. And he talks about in this life. We don't, okay, you, oh, almost did it. I'm going to exclude the people sitting in this room because I don't want you getting mad at me. But everybody on Facebook, you're open game. All you old religious folk. It ain't talking about the sweet by and by. It's talking about this life. He said, if you sacrifice anything in this life for the kingdom's sake or my name's sake, it'll be returned to you a hundredfold. In this, see, I don't know about you. Can't speak for you. Got to speak for me. Well, Pastor, it didn't happen last week. In due season... Never mind. See, that, because you can't acquire that taste yet. That taste of trusting God no matter what. You can't, that taste, it's just not, it's close. And you can smell it cooking. You can smell it cooking. You just can't taste it. It's coming. I'm almost done. Just hang on. Man, alive. Just hope. Boy, if I told you that we was having chicken in five minutes. Pee -pee. <laughs> what are you wanting in your life today? What are you wanting in your life? Are you sowing for it? Do you realize what Jesus sowed for us? Do you really, do you really understand it? One, one day I, 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 might, I might redo this one. 
I preached a sermon called 15 Hours. And it was from the time that Jesus was met in the garden until the time that he said it's finished. It's 15 hours. Fifteen, Man, we don't want to go through two minutes. And he chose to sow for 15 hours. His blood, his flesh, his sweat, and his tears. And we are so rude. We are so disgraceful. God forbid if a church asks you to sow one hour. And he sowed 15. Just in the persecution point. It's what I call the persecution. He went, he went through hell and persecution before. This is what I call the persecution point. It was 15 hours from the moment that they laid hands on my Savior. Until God laid hands on His Son. How could you not think that there is something worth acquiring a taste for if he was willing? Deliverance is a way of life. First, you must choose to receive it. Then you have to choose to walk in it. Go to Job 4.8, Tommy. Even as I have seen, those who plow iniquity and sow trouble reap the same. This is all we want to sow in our life. This is all you'll reap in your life. See, we, we touched on iniquity Wednesday night. And I say touch because we ain't even close to getting into the meat and potatoes of that. But if all you're willing to do is sow iniquity and division and discontent, and hatred. My friend, that's all you're going to get out of life. You can't expect. <laughs> not only can you not expect different. You can't expect God to change his word for you. You change for his word or you don't benefit. I can't get over the thought 
of what he sowed for me. 2 Corinthians 9.6 How bad do you want it? But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. What is it you feel like you have a drought in your life with? Is it love? Love more. Is it unforgiveness? Forgive more. Whatever it is that you're wanting in life, you're going to have to sow differently than what you're sowing right now. And the reason I say that is because what you want in life, that means you don't already have it. We can't continue to walk and be like we've always been and expect God to continuously feed us. And we're wanting deliverance. But we won't even come out of bondage. We keep hanging on. We're, we're in jail and we don't even know it. We are poor, we don't even know it. You're going to have to change your appetite. <laughs> Only if you want more. See, this wasn't for this wasn't for the people that come in full and big as a tick and just loaded down and just for the hungry ones. What do you hunger and thirst for? What are you willing to change in your diet? Some of you, it's going to cost you to fast more, pray more. See, I've got to put a disclaimer here because of sloppy agape that's out there. Because I was corrected very quickly and very sternly by the Holy Spirit when I began to seek for a different anointing. I was asking God for an anointing. And I wanted it so bad, I began to pray more and fast more. I didn't go into prayer for an hour or 30 minutes. I'd go into prayer and seven hours later, I'd come out of prayer, not even knowing I'd been there 30 minutes. I prayed hard. And God one day told me, he said, son, it's not what you do that will increase your anointing. But it's what I did. And immediately, I understood the difference of works and grace. I understood the difference. And I said, so God, what you're telling me is all I need to do is be available to you. How do I become available to you? 
by killing the old man. And that's in prayer and fasting. Because fasting breaks you down. It don't change God's mind. Can I go back to all you old religious folk on Facebook, not here. If you're thinking that prayer and fasting is changing God's mind, you're sadly mistaken. His mind's been made up in eternity. Fasting changes you. It gets you out the way because you stink. Get mad at me. I, you might not have took a shower. Whatever. I did early this morning. But you're going to have to change your appetite. What do you have a taste for? 